Welcome to English 115, Introduction to Literature, Summer B, 2021. This audio recording is going to just give you a quick overview of what is expected for this course. And on that note, let me just reemphasize that this is not exactly what you would call a hybrid course. A hybrid course um, requires that you meet in person uh, from time to time. Well, this course will be totally online. It will be totally asynchronous, okay? So don't worry about having to come to a physical classroom on Wednesdays from 6 to 10. However, I do urge that since originally this course was scheduled for some face-to-face -face meetings, I want you to respect the fact that on some Wednesday nights, I will ask that you be available for Zoom meetings, okay? So please do not uh, make other arrangements in your scheduling just because this course is totally online. So try to set aside your Wednesdays, every other Wednesday, from 6 to 10 p.m. Uh, not the entire time, but at least be available somewhere in that time frame. Uh, when I do conduct Zoom meetings, they will start around about 6.30 and hopefully, in some cases, I'll be able to let you go within 30 to 45 minutes, okay? So try to uh, make sure that your Wednesday evenings are pretty free. Now, what is this course about? Well, it's a introduction to literature, meaning that what I have tried to do uh, as you can see from the syllabus, is uh, bring in short stories mainly from a very, very good anthology. Your required text is the literature, reading, fiction, poetry, and drama, sixth edition by Robert Diani. Okay, so make sure that you get the sixth edition so that um, everybody can be on the same page. So... If you look at the, the syllabus, you'll see where in week one, I have you basically reading the introduction in chapters one, two, and of course, chapter 32. Now, the reason why I wanted you to read the introduction is because there's very good discussions of critical thinking in the introduction. Uh, they talk in general about the importance of when you read a particular piece of work, how you should apply critical thinking. And I'll talk about that uh, in a future audio recording. But make sure that for week one, you have completed the introduction pages 1 through 23, and chapters 1, 2, and 32, okay? 
And there's a reason for that. Those uh, early chapters are very, very instrumental in helping you understand what reading and writing about literature is all about, okay? What is the course objective? What is, what is the main point of having this literature course? Well, for one thing, as I mentioned earlier, I'm trying to introduce you to some good, what we call literature, but in the form of mainly short stories. Uh, there will be some poetry and drama, okay? But your assigned papers should be done entirely on short stories, okay? Now, I will leave it up to you on what short stories you want to write your papers on, okay? But make sure that whatever you choose, if it's not from the weekly readings, make sure that it at least comes from the anthology, okay? So in this course, we will study American work, literature, okay? Nonfiction, mainly, okay? Uh, Nonfiction, fiction, drama, poetry, all of that makes up what we call literature, okay? Now, writing is a very important part of this course. As you can see, you'll be required to write at least four response papers. I've already sent the instructions on what I want you to do for each of those four response papers, okay? You will also be required to write a short analysis paper of at least five or more pages, okay? And I'll talk about that in a little more detail later on. And as you already know, you will be graded on eight forms, your reactions to eight forms, okay? And each of those forms will be due weekly, okay? Um, Probably every Wednesday or every other Wednesday by 10 p.m. And in most cases, completion of that form will determine whether you're counted present or absent for that week, okay? So in this course, grade breakdown, if you're looking at your syllabus, there will be reading responses, numbering about four. Each of those response papers will be at minimum, well, at most, two pages. I want at least two-page response papers, okay? And then there's the short analysis paper. And as you can see, that's worth 35%, along with the eight discussion boards, that's also worth 35%. All added together, that's 100%, okay? So make sure that you keep up with your weekly forms, okay? If you complete all eight forms, you will receive 100, okay? The response papers, what are they? What are you supposed to do? Well, 
they have to be typed according to MLA format. And for this course, I want you to make sure that you review MLA 8th edition, the handbook. And I want you to follow the rules in that handbook on how to set up a traditional formal paper. Okay? Now, what is a response paper as compared to the short analysis paper? What is the big difference? For each of your two-page response papers, you don't have to include supporting sources or critics. Okay? For the short analysis paper, you need at least two scholarly critics to help back up your thesis statement, okay? So how do you organize these papers? The response papers should be organized in the following way. You'll have an introduction, body, and conclusion. In the introductory paragraph, I want you to go from general to specific, meaning in the very beginning of the paragraph, you give me basic background on the author that you have chosen, and for good reference on that, if you look at your anthology, you'll see that the editors do a good job giving you a brief overview about each author that is chosen. So in the very beginning of each story, you'll see a brief bio of the author. You may utilize that in writing your introduction, okay? Because you need to say a little bit about the background of the author that you have chosen. Do that in the very beginning. And what can you do? You can talk about uh, the author's accomplishments, uh, and just maybe a brief reference to uh, the year they were born, year that they died, okay? On top of that, you need to briefly summarize the work that you have chosen, okay? And then the last sentence in the introduction will be the most important sentence of the paper. Your thesis statement, which is a statement of purpose, okay? A reader should be able to look at your thesis statement and tell point by point what is going to be discussed in the paper. So, thesis statements are very important, and I'll give you an example um, by utilizing um, a discussion of one of your assigned short stories. It's called Story of an Hour by Kate Chopin, okay? That's one of your assigned readings, which needs to be read by the end of week two, okay? What is that story about? It's about Mrs. Mallard, a young woman who finds out that her husband has been killed in an accident, okay? And throughout this very, very short story, because... The events all occur within one hour. That's why you have that title, Story of an Hour. 
So within that one hour, Kate Chopin has created a character by the name of Mrs. Mallard, who upon finding out that her husband is dead, starts to have some interesting thoughts in her mind, okay, as she works through what is not only grief, but also joy, okay? We find out, as the readers, we find out that Mrs. Mallard was not exactly happy in her marriage to her now dead husband, or at least at the very beginning, we are told that he's dead, okay? Well, there's a surprise ending in this work, and I'm not going to talk about it right now. I'll leave that up to you to find out. But Kate Chopin's Story of an Hour is one work that I would recommend you choose when you're trying to make a decision on what you're going to do one of your response papers on. Why? Because there is a lot to talk about in Kate Chopin's Story of an Hour. So when you do an analysis, okay, of a work, and you're going to be analyzing a chosen short story, okay, for each of your response papers as well as your short analysis paper. Everybody should have, by this time, gotten my literary terms list. Please review the literary terms list because it gives you an overview about the types of things you can talk about in a traditional critical analysis response paper. Your two-page response papers are based on your opinion, of course, but you need to write these papers based on basic elements, okay? What are the types of things you can talk about? Well, when you look at the literary terms list, I want you to note two particular terms, new critical New historicism, okay? Very important terms when it comes down to figuring out exactly what you're going to discuss in these papers. What is new critical? A new critical approach is when you look at the text and the text only. When you write your paper based on elements within the text itself. For example... A good analysis paper can focus on figurative language, meaning the use of metaphors, personification, similes, okay? Uh, how effectively did the writer utilize those things in his or her short story? So when you do a two-page uh, response paper or when you uh, decide what to write on for your short analysis paper. This is one of the many things that you can talk about. So when you discuss the use of figurative language, the use of symbolism, okay, 
the use of irony in a work, when you talk about imagery in a work, when you talk about the stylistic devices utilized by a writer in his or her work, the development of characters, the dialogue, okay? Those are the types of things you can discuss in a paper when you do a new critical approach. So remember, basic definition of new critical is when you criticize, critique the text, the story, and only the story. You don't take in consideration any outside influences. You just discuss what's in the text itself, within the story itself. And you can write your papers based on two, maybe three major components that stood out about the chosen work. Kate Chopin's Story of an Hour, for example, has irony that you can talk about. Uh, here's another term that's on your literary terms list, foreshadowing. You know, when there are hints of things to come, that's called foreshadowing. That is something you can talk about in a literary uh, analysis, okay? Uh, but in Kate Chopin's story of an hour, you have naturalism, references to nature, okay? And the references to nature are a reflection of what is going on inside of Mrs. Mallard, okay? So when you finally get to read that work, make sure that you look very closely at the lines that are on the top of the second page of the short story, where there is a brilliant description of what is happening outside of Mrs. Mallard's bedroom. Birds chirping, trees a, a quiver with life, Okay, why does Kate Chopin, the author, go into all of that detail? Well, when you do a critical analysis, these are the types of things you can talk about. That even of references to nature, to what's going on outside of Mrs. Mallard's window, are a reflection of what's happening inside of her. This woman, who was supposed to feel very, very sad about her husband's passing, is now beginning to feel elements of joy. And we see this by Chopin's descriptions, positive descriptions of nature, blue skies, chirping birds. All of this can be critiqued as references to what is starting to happen inside of Mrs. Mallard. She is beginning to feel joy, not sadness. And as you read the work, you start to see references to how her life really was with her husband, okay? In a paper, when you're writing about a work like this, you can also talk about 
the significance of characters' names because you can also talk about whether a character is flat or round. A flat characterization means that there's not a whole lot of development. A round character is one that is complex, that the author has depicted in a very complex way. So when you do an analysis of literature in a new critical approach, these are the types of things you can talk about. And I'll reiterate, when you do a basic formal uh, critique of literature, you can talk about symbolism, themes, which is another term that's mentioned on that literary terms list. What is a theme? Well, in a paper, you can talk about more than one theme. And a theme is the central idea in a work. Although a typical work can have more than one theme. Uh, for example, in Kate Chopin's Story of an Hour, you have the theme of oppression. A woman, a married woman feeling oppressed. Okay, You also have the theme of abuse. And as we read this particular short story, we find out that Mrs. Mallard may not have been physically abused, but she may have felt mental abuse. So in a paper, you could talk about the theme of abuse. You could talk about the theme of oppression. So remember, a theme basically is a central idea, or you can have more than one central idea in literature. Okay? So symbolism, the use of figurative language like metaphors, which is a comparison of two unlike things. Okay? Personification, um, attributes of uh, human-like qualities to an inanimate object. Okay? Um, a simile is just like a metaphor, except you're using the words like or as. Uh, you have analogy, you have uh, broad-based comparisons between two unlike things. These are examples of figurative language. And if you wanted to bring that into a critique of literature, you definitely can. So through a new critical approach, you're just focused on the words in the short story itself, in the work itself. And in your analysis, I would recommend that your thesis statement, that statement of purpose at the end of your introduction, be focused on at least two major components in the work itself. And if you're going to do a new critical approach, you could talk about some of the things that I mentioned. You could base your thesis statement on the use of foreshadowing in Kate Chopin's work, the irony in the work, which I won't discuss now. Okay, You could talk about the significance of Mrs. Mallard's name, Mallard, which is a reference or a reminder of a duck. Okay? What does the whole image of flight mean in terms of this particular work? 
Why do you think Kate Chopin named her main character Mallard? So whenever you write a critique of literature, you have to read between the lines. You have to utilize what is discussed in the introduction to the anthology. Critical thinking. Okay? There are three main components that you can utilize when you're in the process of reading a particular work. Okay? So I want you to pay close attention to those three components, to critical thinking that are on pages 9 through 10 in the assigned anthology. And I'll go in more detail about what those components are in future discussion, okay? But suffice it to say, when you write these papers, you're not going to just tell me what the story is about. You're only going to briefly do that in the introduction. So I'll go back over it organizationally for the two-page papers that you have to write as well as the five-page paper that you're going to write later. You need to have a strong introduction. In the introduction, you briefly sum up the author's background. You briefly sum up the work itself, and then the last sentence will be what we call your thesis statement. And you may use what we call the first-person narrative, meaning you may use I. So I'll give you an example of a thesis statement. If I was going to write a paper on Kate Chopin's story of an hour, this is what my thesis statement would look like. I enjoyed Kate Chopin's story of an hour because of the foreshadowing, comma, the naturalism, comma, and the strong references to irony in the work. Now, if you look at my thesis statement, please note that I have three major points that I'm going to discuss, okay? So what am I going to do in the body of that paper? I'm going to devote at least one paragraph to each of the points in my thesis statement, okay? So, what did I talk about? Foreshadowing. And there's a, an example of that on the very first page of this short story. Then I talked about naturalism. And again, I'll repeat what naturalism is. Naturalism is when you have a reflection of humanity in nature. Okay? And there's an example of that on the second page of the short story, okay, where references to blue skies and, you know, the twittering birds, all of that are signs of what is going on inside of Mrs. Mallard herself. So when you have examples like that in literature, it's called naturalism, okay, but it's also part and parcel of what we call symbolism or imagery. So there's natural imagery in the work, okay? So if you refer to it as naturalism or imagery related to nature, it's the same thing, 
Okay? So what would I do in the body of my paper? My first paragraph in the body of the paper will be devoted to the discussion of foreshadowing. And within that paragraph, I will bring in my own point of view, my own opinion. But this is what I want you to do for every paper that you write in this class. For each of the points in your thesis statement, Okay, you're going to devote a paragraph. And within those paragraphs, you need to bring in at least one directly quoted example from the work itself to help illustrate whatever point you're discussing. So, going back to my thesis statement, I want to talk about foreshadowing. So, in that paragraph, I will have a topic sentence meaning that the very first sentence of that paragraph will make it clear that within that paragraph, I'm going to discuss foreshadowing. So remember that for each paragraph, you need to have what we call a topic sentence so that your reader knows right off the bat what is going to be discussed in that particular paragraph. In other words, topic sentences signal what the paragraph is going to be about. So, after I have completed my introduction with a clear-cut thesis statement on Kate Chopin's work, in the body of the paper, I'm going to have one paragraph that discusses foreshadowing. A separate paragraph will discuss the natural imagery or naturalism. Okay? And then the third paragraph will discuss irony. And I will bring in at least one direct quote that exemplifies those points. So I will bring in a direct quote to help illustrate what I mean by foreshadowing in the paragraph devoted to that discussion. Then I will bring in for the next paragraph an example of naturalism. And for that, I would go to the top of the second page in the short story that I told you about. And then, of course, for the last point in my thesis statement, I will bring in another paragraph, okay, to discuss irony and bring in an example somewhere within that paragraph of what I mean when I say irony. Okay, so remember that for every point in your thesis statement, you need to devote at least one paragraph. And within those paragraphs, you're going to bring in your discussion, your opinion. Remember, the reason why I'm allowing you to use first-person narrative, the use of I, is because I want to see your point of view, your thoughts in all of these papers, okay? Those papers are called response papers for a reason. I don't want you to just dominate your paper uh, with a summary of the work, with no clear-cut thoughts from you. So remember, your thesis statement is based on what you feel what you think about the work, okay? But I want you to build your thesis statement 
on either a new critical approach or a new historicism approach, which I haven't discussed yet. Most of you are going to probably give me a typical literary analysis paper based on a new critical approach, meaning you're going to talk about things related to symbolism, imagery, characterizations, use of figurative language, foreshadowing, irony, themes. Those are the kinds of things you can talk about in a new critical analysis. Okay, So as you can see from my example thesis statement on Kate Chopin's work, my thesis was solely a new critical thesis. I focused on elements within the work itself, okay? And as I told you, whenever you establish a clear-cut thesis statement, back it up in the body of the paper by devoting at least one paragraph to each of those points, and then bring in quoted examples to support each of those points. And then you'll round out the paper by closing with a good concluding paragraph, okay? And in the conclusion, a typical concluding paragraph, the very first sentence is a restatement of your original thesis statement, okay? So just repeat your thesis statement. And then for the rest of that paragraph, this is what I want you to do. Address the following questions. Number one, what did you gain from doing the analysis of this particular short story? What did you learn? Okay, so if I'm writing a paper on Kate Chopin's work, in my concluding paragraph, I will discuss some of the things that I learned as a result of doing my analysis of this particular work. Number two, are there elements in the work that connect to something personal in your own life or something that's still going on in society today? Personalize your analysis in the concluding paragraph by discussing these types of things. So if applicable, talk about anything within the chosen work that reminded you of your own life or something that happened in your life or something that's still going on in society today, okay? Do that in the concluding paragraph, okay? Leave your readers with something to think about by giving them a strong concluding paragraph, okay? So, in a nutshell, your two-page papers, as well as the longer paper, should be organized in the way that I just discussed. And to recap, strong introduction, where you briefly sum up the author's background. Okay, and I told you that in the beginning of each of the chosen short stories in your current anthology, the editors do a good job giving you a brief bio on each of the authors that wrote those works. Okay? You may utilize some of that information, but I would also recommend that you start 
checking things out in the library, okay? Start online, doing some online research so that you can help prepare for not so much these uh, two-page papers, but for the longer paper where you will be required to bring in outside research. In other words, you're going to have to bring in at least two critics, two scholars from academic journals and or books that basically support at least one of your thesis statement points. You're going to have to do that in the longer paper. Whereas with the two-page response papers, you don't necessarily have to bring in any outside criticisms. Okay? So I would recommend that you start familiarizing yourselves with how to do library research. Okay? And if you don't want to bring in any scholarly critics for the short papers, you can at least start looking online for what is being said about your chosen authors, okay? And then add that information to the introduction, okay? Along with what is already in the anthology. So for the introduction, you're just giving background information on the author and summarizing the work. And then the most important sentence in that introduction is your thesis statement, okay? And I would recommend that for the shorter papers, have at least two major components that you can discuss in the body of the paper. However many points in your thesis statement will determine how many paragraphs you have in the body of the paper. And I recommend at least two major components. And if you're going to do a new critical approach, you can talk about foreshadowing, development of characters, imagery, importance of characters' names, figurative language, symbolism, okay? Those are the types of things you can talk about if you're going to do a new critical or new criticism approach. And as I said, in the body of the paper, you're going to support each of your thesis statement points by bringing in your own analysis as well as quoted examples from the chosen text to help strengthen your arguments, okay? And of course, the conclusion, there will be a restatement of the thesis statement in the very beginning of that paragraph, and then for the rest of the concluding paragraph, you need to uh, tell me what you gained in terms of doing this analysis, talk about any personal connections, between you and the work, talk about any societal connections between what's going on in the world and the work itself. Be creative in the concluding paragraph, okay? So, even though there's no uh, supporting criticism required for the two-page papers, you still need to follow MLA documentation rules, meaning you need to still have parenthetical documentation 
for whatever quotes you bring into the work, and you also have to have a works cited page. Now, if you're not going to bring in supporting criticisms for the two-page paper, and I recommend that you start experimenting and trying to incorporate uh, criticisms or critiques, uh, even though it's not mandatory. But if you do try to incorporate outside criticisms, I will definitely appreciate that, and it could help your overall grade. But it's not mandatory, okay? But even though you don't have to bring in scholarly journals from books or articles in, in journals, you don't um, have to do that, but you still need to have a works cited page. And on the works cited page, all you're going to do, and I'll send an example of this, is mention the anthology. Okay? You're going to start out with the name of the author, the name of the short story within the anthology, and then you document information from the anthology itself. And again, I'll send you an example of how it should look on the Works Cited page. Now, that's the only entry that you'll have to have if you're not going to incorporate any supporting examples or quotes from scholarly journals or books, okay? And again, two-page papers, no outside criticism is required, but you still need to bring in direct quotes. And as I mentioned earlier, you need to bring in quotes from the chosen work to help support each of your thesis statement points. Now, all of you have probably heard of parenthetical documentation. And I'll talk about this in more detail in future discussions. But in a nutshell, what are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to document a direct quote? Well, as you know, word-for-word -word copying of somebody else's work has to be enclosed with quotation marks. Okay, So what would you do? If you said, according to Kate Chopin, before the direct quote, if you said, according to Chopin or according to Kate Chopin, and then you use the direct quote from her text, okay, what would you put in the parentheses? Well, as you know, the parentheses starts right after the direct quote itself. What do you put in the parentheses if you stated Kate Chopin's name before the quote? Well, would you have to repeat her name? No. For sources that have page numbers, these are the rules. If you mention the author's name before the quote, then all you have to do in the parentheses is put the page number where the quote came from. So if I quote from page 49, something from Kate Chopin within that anthology, and I said according to Kate Chopin before that quote, then in the parentheses I would put just the number 49. No P and a little dot. 
just the number 49. Close the parentheses, put the period at the end. Now, if you don't mention the author's name, like Kate Chopin, if you don't mention the name and you just go directly into the quote, then you have to mention author's last name and the page number in the parentheses itself, okay? So remember those simple rules. Remember that if you don't utilize parenthetical documentation at the end of every direct quote, you can be charged with what we call plagiarism, okay? So make sure that you give credit where credit is due by utilizing parenthetical documentation. And again, I'm going to send a link uh, to MLA on the Purdue OWL site where you can check out for yourself visual examples of what parenthetical documentation looks like, basically how your whole paper should be formatted, what the works cited page should look like. All of this is in MLA eighth edition and I will send a link to everyone so that you can start examining what to do in setting up these papers. Okay? So that's just the technical aspects of these papers but in terms of writing the paper each paper you need to keep in mind three major things that I will be grading you on. When I look at these papers, whether it's the short papers or the long paper, I will be looking at three things. Organization, content, and yes, grammar. I will also take into account how you were able to avoid major grammatical errors in the final drafts of the papers. So, what do I mean by organization, just like I explained to you. Do you have a strong introduction? Do you have a, a strong body and a strong conclusion in the paper? Okay. Content. That means what you had to say. Did you say it well? Did you um, illustrate what you were trying to say in an effective way? Did you bring in a good thesis statement? Did you support that thesis statement by bringing in strong analysis, okay, your own point of view, of course, but also bringing in concrete examples to help strengthen your argument, okay? So organization, content, very important. Grammar, did you avoid sentence fragments, comma splices, fused or run-on sentences, subject-verb disagreement, those are major grammatical errors that I will talk to you more about in future discussions. But for the time being, make sure that you review all of the materials that I have sent everyone via email. In those materials, you will see instructions for how to do the response papers, instructions for how to do the short analysis paper, but you'll also get some good resources like the MLA uh, link and Purdue Isle. I'll also send you an overview 
about what I mean when I say major grammatical errors, definitions of all the grammatical errors I just mentioned, okay? That is also going to be sent to you if I haven't already sent it. Okay, so keep a regular check on your emails because I will periodically send out supplemental materials that will help you uh, and guide you in terms of what you need to do in writing these papers, okay? I will also send out model uh, papers that in the past have received A's uh, in, my, in my classes. So I will send you grammar information. I will send you model papers. I will send you uh, the literary terms list that you can use as the foundation for what you can talk about in a typical analysis paper, okay? And I already talked to you about new critical, new criticism. That's one of your terms. You can build any of your papers on a new critical approach. Just talking about what's in the short story itself, okay? And on that note, only choose short stories. I don't want you to do any critiquing of poetry, okay? Focus on the chosen short stories in your calendar, okay? No poetry, okay? And when I talk about paragraphs, make sure that you give me paragraphs that are at least five or more sentences in length. Another rule for short papers, and even for the longer paper, I don't want you bringing in direct quotes that are four lines or more in length. If you bring in a long quotation, you have to set it off as a block quotation. Okay? And if you don't know what a block quotation is, make sure that you check out what MLA has to say about it. Suffice it to say, a block quotation takes up too much space in what is already short papers, okay? So no long quotes as examples. No long quotes from your critics uh, when you get to the big paper, okay? So no long quotes. Make sure that your paragraphs are five sentences or more in length. I don't like short paragraphs, okay? So these are little technical things uh, that I will constantly remind you of as you uh, read the assigned works, okay? So in a nutshell, what have I discussed? I have discussed what you need to do uh, for the short papers, the two-page response papers. First one is due on July the 14th, okay? And on next week, I will probably uh, invite all of you to a brief Zoom meeting so that I can go back over these main points in the syllabus, but also elaborate on some other things. 
within about 30 to 45 minutes, okay? So try to set aside some time for a brief Zoom meeting uh, on July 7th, okay? But your first response papers are due on July 14th at 10 p.m. Note that on all due dates, 10 p.m. will be the cutoff time, okay? Unless I tell you any, any differently, okay? So, organizationally, you know what to do for the short papers. But what I explained about the short papers also applies to the short analysis paper. Short analysis paper is really not that much different, okay? The big difference, of course, is longer, okay? The short analysis paper needs to be at least five pages in length, five pages of content, with the works cited page being the sixth page, okay? So it's longer, and it requires that you incorporate at least two scholars who back up at least one of the points in your thesis statement. So in a nutshell, all you're doing is incorporating people, academic scholars, who agree with at least one of your main points of discussion, at least one of your points. And what you'll do is incorporate direct quotes from each of those two scholars somewhere in the body of that paper. So really the short analysis paper is organized same way as the short papers, okay? Big difference is length. And you have to incorporate, it's required that you incorporate two scholarly article, okay? Bring in quotes from two scholarly articles, either from journals or books. And I'll talk about that in more detail in future discussions, okay? So, in this audio, what I have tried to do is give you an overview of the major assignments and what you need to start doing to prepare for those assignments, okay? So look at the supplemental materials that I have already sent, and there will be more forthcoming. But make sure that you look at the instructions on how to do the short papers and how to do the short analysis paper, okay? Look at those instructions very closely, okay? Now, how are you writing these papers? You're writing them based on either a new criticism approach or a new historical approach. What is new historicism? This is also on your literary terms list. When you write a paper based on a new historicist approach, quite frankly, all you're doing is talking about how there's a connection between what you see in the work and what you see and the history that surrounds that work. For example, you could talk about how there are fictional elements, say in Kate Chopin's work, 
that are reflective of non-fictional elements in her own life. Okay? Now, to do a good analysis based on new historicism, you probably need to uh, do uh, close readings of biographies and make sure that you are on point in talking about how the non-fiction is, you know, reflected in the fiction, okay? What are the connections between the fictional work and the non-fictional background? So, in a nutshell, new historicism is when you write a paper based on how the story you've chosen is reflective of the history that surrounds the text itself. And in papers that you write on this particular uh, format, you could discuss how there are certain elements in the fictional work that are reflective of what actually happened in the author's own life, okay? And in your papers, you can do either a combination approach of a new critical and a new historical uh, format, or you could do one or the other. I think the majority of you will probably be more comfortable in doing the new critical approach, okay? But remember, a new historicist approach is when you look at the history surrounding the text and connections between the fictional work and the non-fictional aspects of the history or the author's own life, okay? And I'll talk about that in more detail later on. And if some of you are interested in writing your papers on a new historical approach, please let me know and I can give you some suggestions. Okay. All right. I think that's enough for now. Um, time is about to run out on this podcast. Uh, I will save more detailed discussion for later. But for right now, I think that's enough information for you uh, to get started. And again, set aside some time next week for July 7th around about 6.30, if you can. Um, I will send a Zoom invitation for you to engage in what will be a 45, maybe one hour minute, uh, a 45 minute, one hour discussion next week so that I can discuss in more detail some of what I already discussed in this audio. On that note, I wish you a good night and look to hear from me again very soon.